Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is there an argument for Caleb Williams becoming the first back-to-back Heisman winner since Archie Griffin? And which teams are most likely to break through and make the college football playoff for the first time in their school history? Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we're going to go through teams that I think could break through and make the college football playoff for the first time in their school's history. And we're going to go through my top five list of Heisman candidates. And let's get straight to that one. We're going to go one through five on who I think is most likely to win the Heisman Trophy before we've even played a snap of regular season football. And at number one, I got Caleb Williams. Okay, He is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. He did this despite losing the Pac-12 championship and losing to Utah twice because it feels like there is no situation for which Caleb Williams cannot find an answer. He is the most athletic quarterback in the sport today. The things that he's been able to do even on one leg are tremendous, and that's one of the reasons why we're thinking about him. We're also thinking about him because as dynamic and fun as he is, maybe the most dynamic and fun player at USC since Reggie Bush, and I mean that, it's mostly about the stats that, are, for me, are just ridiculous. We're talking about a guy that threw for 4,500, right, had more than 50 TDs, can do anything he wants with a football. He's the best player in college football. But Heisman voters are petty. You'll know this. I'm not a big fan of the Heisman. And it's not because I don't like the Heisman players. Like the guys that win the the trophies, generally like them. The way in which we go about picking the guys that win the trophies, I think that's antiquated, outdated, and we should change it because we haven't had a repeat winner since 1974, 1975, Ohio State running back Archie Griffin. It's become a thing that it's not that Archie Griffin won the Heisman. It's that he's the guy that won it twice. Okay. One of the things that the Heisman voters have stuck to is we don't like it when freshmen are up for the award. They broke that for Johnny Manziel. They probably feel sort of gun shy about it. Another thing is this thing about taking Heisman trophies back. I still don't get that one. And I've been loud about Reggie getting his Heisman back for some time. But more than that, if Caleb Williams does this year what he did last year, would he win the Heisman trophy? I mean, it's an honest question here. And I put it out on the Twitters this way. If Kyle McCord, to use a big-name quarterback that's in a quarterback derby right now and a guy that most people have not seen play football, 
I watched him play Akron, but I'm me, right? If he did what Caleb Williams did last year, would he win the Heisman Trophy? And it's up for debate, right? It's He's got that Ohio State thing going for him, which we know is powerful. But is it about what kind of a player you are or is it the kind of stats you put up? I think Caleb Williams is really fun to watch play football. And his attitude about himself and about how people consume him makes him even more fun, which gives me back to this. The Heisman Trophy is as much about talent and stats as it is attitude. Lincoln Riley has done a good job of keeping guys that have personalities on a football field playing their best football. I'm thinking about Baker Mayfield, right? Who, no matter what you think about Baker, you think something about Baker. Kyler Murray's a better athlete than Caleb Williams, but my God, is Caleb Williams a much more fun person to hear talk, to see play football, and really to see how he goes about in the games. Like, I don't think Kyler Murray's going to put the uh, John Cena move on his fingernails next to Utah. It's just not going to, it's not, that's not his get down. He's a baseball player. Baseball players, for the most part, are not the most talkative men in the world. They don't have a whole hell of a lot to say. It's even frowned upon in the sports. One of the reasons why I probably always stuck out in the sore thumb in baseball, because I always wanted to talk my noise, especially behind the plate. Blue would tell me, a hey, hey, catch, pipe down. Yes, sir, because I want balls and strikes. I think that if Caleb Williams puts up 5,060, a la Joe Burrow, he's going to be the first player since Archie Griffin to win the Heisman Trophy. And then we're talking about, is he the best college football player or he won the Heisman Trophy twice. And then we're going to be talking about, is he the best college football player of all time? That's still Cam Newton, because no matter how good Caleb Williams is going to be, A, they both got Heismans, and B, Cam Newton did this with like one other NFL player on the roster at Auburn, and that dude played defense, okay? Superman is originally that dude in Auburn, Alabama. Caleb, caving for Caleb is a thing that I need to start saying, like since Jim Nagy put it in my brain, we need to come up with some way of tanking for Tua who's going to want the number one pick in 2024, which we know is going to be Caleb Williams. Calling it caving for Caleb, put the hashtag in there. I think it rhymes. It's cool. Lincoln Riley could also be the third head coach to have four Heisman winners as a head coach. The other ones are Frank Lee at uh, Notre Dame and Nick Saban, which is interesting because I don't think Nick Saban, I don't think there was a Heisman winner before Nick Saban got to Alabama, which is kind of wild. And he had a wide receiver win that damn thing, which leads me to number two on the list, Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. That dude is capable of doing for Ohio State what Devontae Smith did for Alabama. That's wild because Devontae Smith was an assassin. Slim Reaper, the dude that took Georgia's national championship away from it in double OT. From a quarterback came off the bench because he's that man. The dude that won the Heisman, even though Jalen Waddle was a better player because Jalen Waddle got hurt. The dude who answered the bell. The dude that Charles Kelly said, hey, look, Devontae Smith could have played corner for us. We just didn't need him. That's who Marvin Harrison Jr. is. And when you're looking at his ability, this this catch he's making right here against Indiana, we got the one foot in bounds. I asked him about it. I said, hey, do you think, did you think you were going to get that foot in? Say, yeah, I knew that I got that foot in. Just kind of matter of factly, he's, he's not gregarious, right? He's not allowed and out there. He goes about his business. A lot of things that impressed me about Marvin Harrison Jr., but none more than his work ethic, because it's one thing to be as talented as he is and to have the pedigree that he does. His father is a college football Hall of Fame nominee, I think, and I know he's in the, college, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but he also wore blue tie to uh, Big Ten Media Days, for which he got a lot of side eye, and then come to find out the man was wearing a blue tie and a white shirt 
and a gray suit to honor his father as he walked into Lucas Oil Stadium, the place his father made famous playing for the Indianapolis Colts. There's layers to this dude. There are levels here. I love this because that's the only way you can get away with wearing a blue tie and being an Ohio State receiver. Played it perfectly. It's also a dude that asked his coaches at St. Joe's Prep, hey, coach, uh, when we do our drills for getting feet in bounds, can we do two? Why? Because I'm training to be a pro. And in the pros, you got to get two feet in bounds. We play high school football. We play college football. But I'm preparing to be a pro. Goodness me. And he changed the drill. That that's that's the kind of moxie and the kind of attitude that Marvin Harrison Jr. could inspire in his coaches. They changed up the drill for him. Other way of looking at this, Ryan Day told a story that I really love. So going into a week of game prep, it is one thing for a player to catch balls off the jugs machine, right? A lot of guys do it. A lot of guys do it wrongly. There's all sorts of ways to do it wrongly, which is standing in front of the jugs machine and catching balls when you should be probably running routes and catching balls. That's what Marvin Harrison Jr. was doing. He's running routes, catching balls, but he was doing it as a part of their walkthrough for that week's game preparation. Again, levels to this. He's not just out there doing things. He's out there working with purpose. And it's the reason why could be the first Bolitnikoff award winner since Terry Glenn at Ohio State, which is like 1995. And I think he could win a Heisman Trophy if Kyle McCord is back there throwing passes and they got that thing going on from St. Joe's Prep. They had that thing going on where it is, hey, we're drift compatible. They're in the same Jaeger making it happen. Call Ohio State gypsy danger. Number three on the list for me, Blake Corum. All right. There's layers to this too. Blake Corum should have been a finalist for the Heisman Trophy last year. It's a man who played in 11 games and two snaps or two carries for Michigan against Ohio State and still didn't manage to make that thing, right? I'm looking at this and I'm going, how does a guy who rushed 247 times, 1,463 yards, 5.9 yards per carry, 18 TDs, too shy of tying the school record set by the dude that came before him, miss making the Heisman Trophy ceremony? And it's really because that game against Ohio State means so much. Like, I think that Aiden Hutchinson made the Heisman ceremony off of what he did against Ohio State because I don't believe that even his draft stock was that high until he featured in that game. That's how many people watch that game. That's why that game is the game of the year. That's why it's always been a thing that I'm asked to talk about since I got this job working at Fox, man. It's the game. It's the one that everybody cares about. I think if he's healthy and he plays through that game, it's not just that he's in the Heisman finalist. Uh, a Heisman finalist. I think he actually could win the damn thing. Like I, I'm looking at that. I'm going, if Blake Corn won a Big Ten championship, would he have beaten Caleb Williams for the Heisman Trophy? I think there's a really good argument for this. You know why? Because Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy that probably should have gone to Tua Tonga-Valoa for the same reason. He featured in the Big 12 championship game in a win. It matters. There's also this really interesting point that is raised to me. So I was asked, given what Donovan Edwards had done, not just last year, but the year before, do you really expect Blake Corum to get as many carries this year, as he did last year, I said, absolutely. You know how I know this? Because Blake Corum was every bit the home run hitter that Donovan Edwards is when he was behind Hassan Haskins in 2021. Hassan Haskins 2021 run the ball 270 times for 1,327 yards, 4.9 yards per clip, 20 TDs. Corum ran the ball 144 times, 952 yards, averaging better, 6.6 .6 yards per carry. 2022, 
Corum is now in the position that Haskins is in. Again, 247, 1463, 18 TDs. Edwards, basically the same stats that Corum had in 2021. 140 rushes for 991 yards, 7 point yards per carry. It's also not just that I expect Jim Harbaugh to feed a guy who came back when he didn't have to come back. And Jim Harbaugh told me right here on the number one college football show, A, congratulations on having the number one college football show, and B, that he was excited and wowed when Blake Corum chose to come back after injuring himself to finish what he started because that's why he's here. He's here to get not Michigan to the Big Ten championship game and win. He's done that. Not to get to the college football playoff. He's done that. To win a national championship, which nobody at Michigan has done in 25 years, 26 going into 2023, I think that's all worth considering. It's also worth considering that behind Donovan Edwards, you're asking a lot about guys like C.J. Stokes. Like I understand that you got a true freshman that popped during the spring game, but it's also spring. You don't have a lot of depth at that position. It behooves you to ride Blake Corum like Zorro does his horse behind a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line last year and the year before, and seven dudes in the same draft class that could get drafted at the same time. They are going to be good running the football at Michigan. I think Blake Corum is going to do more than rush 1,400 yards. You dig? Okay? Okay? Number four on the list for me, University of North Carolina quarterback Drake May. It took me a while to get around to Drake May. And I've actually kind of talked about this for some time, but then I looked at what he has done since he's been at North Carolina, and I I can't ignore this. You can't ignore this. We're talking about this dude actually rivaling Caleb Williams for the number one pick in the 2024 draft because last year he had 4,321 yards passing, 38 pass TDs, seven picks. Then he added 698 rush yards with seven rushing TDs. Now, this is the part that I want you to remember and listen for. He became the sixth quarterback since 2010 to throw for 4,000 yards, pass 35 TDs, rush for 650 yards, and rush for seven TDs. The other quarterbacks to do that since 2010, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota, Johnny Manziel, and RG3. Read another way. That is Heisman winner, national champ. Heisman winner, Heisman winner, Heisman winner. Read another way. Heisman winner, Deshaun Watson, Heisman winner, Heisman winner, Heisman winner. Like the stats that he put out last year are ridiculous. And if Clint Brewster doesn't fix what ain't broke it, you know, Drake May's the dude. I, I expect that dude to win ACC player of the year, provided he can do last year what he did, well, uh, do this year what he did last year. And then number five on the list, I got Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers. For me, it's that he is the best quarterback that the Texas Longhorns have had since Colt McCoy. And he's got the best set of playmakers around him that any UT quarterback has had since 2009 when Colt McCoy led Texas to the national title game. It's not just that he's got A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, and Isaiah Neighbor. It's also that he's got Jatavion Sanders. It's also that that running back room is loaded. A dude that you're going to hear me talk about and Texas fan, you're probably getting tired of hearing me talk about, is C.J. Baxter. That dude is a freshman that is going to light people up, and there are three other guys like him in that backfield. Kelvin Banks proved that he could play as a true freshman last year. He was good, guys, and that guy's back. You have tools here if you're Quinn yours, and oh, by the way, he was once the number one overall recruit in his recruiting class, and 
He is one of just a handful. I believe there's six guys to get a 1.00 rating, according to 247 Sports Composite. He's talented. He's chiseled up. He's a year older. Basically played a freshman year that was off and on. And if it's, if he doesn't get injured against Alabama, they beat Alabama before Tennessee does. You watch the game. I watch the game. It's all there for him to end up right there. Leading uh, Texas to a Big 12 championship, possibly college football playoff berth, which is a great way to lead us into teams who I think can crash the college football playoff for the first time. All right. Let's start with. I think the most obvious of these teams for all of us, Penn State. Okay. Penn State is a great football team. They were great last year. This is the most talented Penn State football team that James Franklin has had in his 10 years at Penn State. They need to do two things to ensure that they get into the college football playoff. One, beat Ohio State. Two, beat Michigan. I, I, I know, I know, right? I know. A, I'm treating the season of 12 games as if it comes down to two. That's because it does. It it, 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 it really does. That's because it does. I don't like it. Talk about the sport as it is, not the way I want it to be, but that's what it is. And the last team to beat both Ohio State and Michigan in the same year, Michigan State. You know what happened to Michigan State? They went to the college football playoff. It means Michigan State made the college football playoff before Penn State did. Think about that for a second, right? Uh, before, before Wisconsin did. Because they were able to beat Ohio State and Michigan. RJ, weren't they good that year? Yeah, they were so good they lost to Nebraska. Meaning, meaning, it's in your hands, Penn State, which is all anybody ever wants, right? If you're Boise State and you run the table, you might not make the college football playoff, right? We say this a bunch about group of five teams. You know how I feel about group of five teams that go undefeated. But in the Big Ten, all you got to do is win. That's it. People are going to let you in. They want you in, especially if you can get past, well, the two biggest brands in the second mightiest conference in all of the sport. I think it's going to come down to four players, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Drew Aller, and Keandre Lambert-Smith, your best wide receiver, your starting quarterback, and your best playmakers, both the tailbacks, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. Drew Allar is going to actually have to do something for them to win. He can't just stand back there, but he has the talent to do it. Matter of fact, I think he's a more talented quarterback than Sean Clifford is. And I think most Penn State fans would agree with that. It's the experience that he lacks. And you would love to have more experience and we would all love to have more experience, but the only way you get experience is by getting a job and doing the job. Sorry, I'm a millennial that's watching older people continue to do jobs and then get asked me to have 10 years experience to go get a job. Drew Allard's gonna do the, do the job. It's can he step up when they need him to step up? And they're going to need him to step up against Ohio State, Michigan. They are really in it. Like, I'm thinking about the Wolverines went 9-0 last year in Big Ten play. The Buckeyes went 8-1. Both of those teams made the college football playoff. The Nittany Lions went 7-2. Their losses were Ohio State and Michigan. All they got to do is get those right. And frankly, they had Ohio State on the ropes. Like, if you're a Penn State fan, you are just beside yourself watching JT Tui Malau take over that game. Because you knew you had it. It was yours. You were going to win that game. And then it was gone. That doesn't happen this year. They're probably going to be in that spot playing in the Big Ten championship game. Provided they get past Michigan. And seeing as producer Tyler and I were at that game at Michigan Stadium for Penn State. And where we were at that game where Penn State got Molly Watt 41-17. Blake Corum was almighty. 
maybe that's the one you should be keying in on and not the Ohio State game. That's just me. Next uh, play, uh, team on the list, not player, uh, is the University of Texas, who I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. They've got the cleanest and clearest route to the college football playoff of the teams that I'm going to talk to you about. Like, they've already shown, not only can we get past Oklahoma, we can stop them out 49-0. to Now, as an Oklahoma fan, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that we were out there without a quarterback for the entire game. I don't, I don't care what you want to tell me, tell me about Davis Bevel. Like, that, that, that wasn't no quarterback. We had Brayden Willis coming in there taking snaps. Come on, man. You're going to stop on a team that doesn't have a quarterback 49-0. Especially at Oklahoma, where quarterbacks kind of become a really big deal. Heisman Trophy winners and such. Number one overall picks and such. That ain't going down this year. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ugh, 49-0. All right. You can get past Oklahoma. But you can't seem to get past the private Christian parochial school in North Texas. <laughs> I'm sorry. It shouldn't be that funny, but it is because Texas Christian was a Mountain West school like 10 years ago. Ah, not 10, like 15 years ago, right? Another team that ran the table, went undefeated, didn't get to play for a Nash championship, right? 13-0, Andy Dalton won the Rose Bowl, didn't get to play for the Nash championship. But Texas Christian loves beating up on Texas. And Texas Christian fans love beating up on Texas. So much so that when... University of Texas told everybody they were going to the SEC. President of the university got called before Texas legislature. One of the representatives, Lois Colkers, is a Texas Christian alumna. And she went out of her way to remind the president of the University of Texas, uh, yeah, but y'all ain't been able to beat up on Texas Christian. <laughs> Why are you running from Texas Christian? <laughs> And then last year, Joe Gillespie in that defense gave B. John Robinson, Steve Sarkeesian the what for. Got to win that game. Also, I am fired up for Texas having to travel to Houston because I think Houston is a good football program. I think they're going to surprise people with Donovan Smith, the quarterback. And I think Daniel Holgerson does not always get his due because you look at that dude, you see his mop top and his Red Bull, and you forget that's a hell of a football coach, right? Number two on that one is, Texas has looked down its nose at the University of Houston for years, going back to Southwest Conference. Also, another opportunity for me to remind you, it's not that Andre Ware won the Heisman Trophy at Houston. It's that Andre Ware won the Heisman Trophy at Houston without playing a single damn game on TV. Not one. They were banned from paying on TV, but he was still so good. If you read the paper, they won. he won the Heisman Trophy in 1989. By the way, the first black quarterback to do so. Wild. That game, they got to win. You got you to beat up on Houston. And then you got to take care of the rest of your business. But you get to the Big 12 championship. You win the Big 12 championship. You're going to make the college football playoff for the first time in school history. Steve Sarkeesian knows what it takes to get there, having done this at Alabama, having won national championships at USC. Pretty damn good head coach and a great play caller and a great developer of quarterbacks. I mentioned how I feel about Quinn Ewers and how I feel about the playmakers around him. And then defensively, this is the part that is crucial. Texas feels like they could have a top 15 defense. I'm going to get into this a little bit later as we talk about a couple of other squads. But remember that. I think that with Jalen Ford leading that defense, Anthony Hill is a freak and a star waiting to bust out. He's a true freshman. You're going to hear me talk a lot about going into 2023, 2024. They have the tools to be good on defense. Pete Kukowski has been building that thing slowly, and they've gotten better. If they can keep the lid on the secondary, watch out. Texas is not going to just be potent offensively. They're going to be able to put the clamps on people defensively. Next on the list, speaking of putting the clamps on people defensively, USC. Okay. It's that Alex Grinch's defense has not been able to put the clamps on 
anybody, anybody, okay? I've kind of been loud about this because I think it matters, right? I have USC ranked in my preseason top four. Why? Because of Lincoln Riley and the quarterback. If Lincoln Riley has a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback or a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, in the case of Caleb Williams, it's a playoff team. We saw that at Oklahoma. He did it repeatedly. Baker Mayfield, my goodness, right? You get there, you get beaten double overtime by Georgia in a Rose Bowl that I'm shocked anybody remembers. It's the, the stupidest game of all time. Silly. Uh, why do we even talk about it? You do it again with a guy named Jalen Hurts, who lost a job at Alabama, showed up, became the dude, took Oklahoma to the college football playoff, and finished as the runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. Then you're bringing in guys like Spencer Rattler, who was good enough to start, got the hook. You bring in a guy like Caleb Williams. It's another developer of great quarterbacks. And that dude has always been about winners because he's a winner. It's a man who has not failed to win 10 games or more in his entire career. That's what we're betting on here. Problem with all of that, the bugaboo, the fly in the ointment, the turd in the punch bowl is the defense. Okay. Alex Grinch's defense has not been good at stopping people scoring the football. The best statistical year that Alex Grinch's defense has had since Oklahoma is 2020, when they finished 28th in scoring defense, which is mostly a junk statistic because not everybody played 12 games. No, Nobody played, and I'll take that back. Alabama did, right? But it was, Alabama's the only team that I think gets to call 2020 a full season because they played a full season and went undefeated, and it was remarkable what they were to do. Not to mention, nobody tested positive on that team that accounted for Alabama all year. That's really remarkable. But I'm also looking at this going, you can't be 94th in scoring defense and expect to play for a national championship. Maybe you can expect to make the college football playoff, which is why I have them here, because I think Caleb Williams going into a magic year with the tailbacks they have, guys like Raleigh Brown being back there, and you know what kind of players they have at wide receiver. Mario Williams, I think, is going to have a breakout season. They added great players out of the transfer portal. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine offensively. They're going to win more games than they probably should, and they're going to get takeaways. They're going to get tackles for loss because that's what Alex Grinch's Alex defense does really well, get into the backfield, put people on the ground, and, and take the ball away. But you can't depend on taking the ball away because it's an opportunistic statistic. You can't go into a game saying we're going to get three takeaways. No, Nobody does. You go into a game looking to get stops. You count punts, not takeaways. You count how many times you get the ball back to the offense, not takeaways. Okay? However that needs to happen. It's also important to point out here that you have to have a top 15 defense if you want to win a national championship, and that gets to be kind of a junk statistic as you get in the college football playoff because obviously Texas Christian did not have a top 15 defense and yet made the college football playoff. But that's not what you're seeking if you're USC too. You're not seeking to just make the college football playoff. You're seeking to win national championships. But if the defense is even casually good, USC makes the college football playoff. You know how I know that? Because voters, select committee members, they just don't like Utah, which is the other reason that I got Utah on the list here. Utah is running on disrespect. Now that's that's the octane. I actually got like six rules for life. The first rule is the world runs on spite. People end up doing stuff because you said they can't or because they feel slighted. Happens all the time. Utah has more reason to feel slighted than any other team in this top 25 by the AP or by me and of any team coming back in the college football this year because they won the Pac-12 championship twice. They've beaten this team, USC, that everybody thought was going to beat up on them twice. They have made the Rose Bowl twice. And each time Cam Rise has been on the field, they've been damn near unbeatable in their conference. You, you can't go to Utah and expect to get wins. And yet, 
It's not a team that plays for uh, played in the college football playoff despite having you know won a Pac-12 championship. They gotten close a couple of times. Think about like 2018 when I think Oregon was able to upset them and get Oklahoma at that spot. You know, a lot of things breaking your way or not breaking your way. But it is a team that feels right there on the edge. All they got to do is not lose four games to start. If they run their conference slate undefeated, they win a Pac-12 championship. They ought to be right there. There's no, going to be no more Cincinnati's because we've decided it was nice that we got it in there. I personally felt vindicated, but everybody gets the same right to get stomped out by Georgia, Alabama. That is what it is. I would love to see Utah, another great former Mountain West team like Texas Christian, make it into the college football playoff this year. They certainly play a really tough brand of football. Anybody's watching Utah football feels good about it. Like it's it's the kind of football that I grew up watching in the 90s where the quarterback is a get or done type, the type that just comes out and says we're not going to lose today and the running backs carry the mail and the defense says not today. Defense just straight up says not today. You might go up on somebody else but not today. And if you do go up on us, we're going to take it personally. Right? And the offense can get hot and actually put some people uh, put some people to dead to bed. Like I'm thinking about putting up 47 on USC for starters there. Next team on the list that I want to talk about here is Iowa. All right. It's real simple for me. Win, win the Big Ten West and don't get 40 dropped on you by Michigan and Ohio State, which is nice for them because they don't play Michigan or Ohio State in 2023. So the road really is about Penn State. They got Penn State on the schedule. Got it. We would love for you to get past Penn State if you're going to make it to the college football playoff, but you don't need to do that. You need to win the Big Ten West, and then you got to seat at the table. This is another reason why we think divisions going away is a good thing because the idea that Purdue and Iowa are playing for a Big Ten championship does not exactly sit well with national neutrals who would like to see Ohio State and Michigan play for the Big Ten championship or Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan play for the Big Ten championship. It feels wrong that Penn State could be the third best team in their division but also make the Rose Bowl. You want to see that spot a little, not easier for Penn State, but certainly tougher for the Big Ten West. But these are the rules. This is the game as it is, not as I want it to be. And right now, all Iowa's got to do is take care of business. And I think they got a quarterback that is an upgrade from the quarterback play they've had the last couple of years, which is no small thing. And I think Phil Parker has that defense dialed in. I've been loud about this, and I will continue to be. Iowa has had the second best defense in all the sport for two consecutive years. Two consecutive years. The other one, Georgia. Georgia's won back-to-back national championships on the strength of the defense and the offense not getting in the defense's way. I mean, I'm looking at the way that I was able to score football, uh, score, uh, score touchdowns last year, win football games, and we're talking about pick sixes. We're talking about an Iowa fan base that not only knows the punter's name, but thinks he should be up for the damn Heisman. That's how much they care about all three phases. That's how good they are in special teams and on defense. You know, like the idea that you could put together a football program built around defense that doesn't win championships doesn't sit well with us. And it really is about quarterback play. K. McNamara was able to show he could lead Michigan to the Big Ten championship and to a college football playoff. Michigan fans be like, yeah, dinking and dumping. That's what Iowa needs. They need a dude that's going to manage the offense. They don't need a gunslinger. They don't need a dude that's going to try to throw a football through a keyhole. They need a dude that's going to throw it out of bounds. They need a dude that's going to check to the run. They need a dude that's going to put the defense in plus territory and let them go to work. I mean, Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, that's last year. Riley Moss, last year. Cooper DeGene, dude that you've heard from on this show, might be the best defensive back in football. They're moving him from safety to corner. 
You know, like you can just do that. I think that Iowa has it there for them. Of all of these teams, maybe they have the second cleanest route to a college football playoff bid. Last thing I want to point out on this before we get out of here is just how hard it is to put together a team that you can expect to win national championships. And the way that I go at this is by looking at the offense and the defense. By now, it should not surprise you that Georgia had the number five scoring offense and the number five scoring defense in all the sport last year. They were equally balanced, as all things should be. Accidental Thanosing their way to a national championship. Okay, 2021 when they won it, they had the number nine scoring offense and the number one scoring defense. Okay, take it to 2020, Alabama. They had the number two scoring offense. They had the number 13 scoring defense. 2019, LSU. Were, offense was on defense. It's like white on rice and a glass of milk and a paper plate in a snowstorm. Didn't matter what the damn defense was doing, apparently. But even then, they were number 33 in scoring defense, right? What I'm saying is, you go back to 2018, you go to Clemson. Number one in scoring offense, number, or excuse me, number four in scoring offense, number one in scoring defense. You have to be good on both sides of the ball. I mean, really, really good. And if you are not, say, USC looking at 2019 LSU going, why not us? Yeah, put up 50 a game, have a 5,600-yard 5, passer with 60 TDs and six picks. Cool, Caleb Williams. There it is, right there. Lead that offense to heights that it has never seen before. Take it back to 2004, 2005, 2003 USC. That's what it's going to take. I'm saying this is hard. I'm saying sometimes we forget how difficult it is to run the table, how difficult it is to win league championships, how difficult it is to make the college football playoff, how difficult it is to look at a group of suits in a boardroom at a resort and tell them that you are one of the best teams in college football and them to thumb their nose at you. Them to not even think about a scoreboard, which doesn't matter. Being right, especially in college football, is not a matter of fact. It is a matter of emotion. No matter what the facts might say, what's going to sway you is how you feel. If Caleb Williams lights you up with some electricity, you're probably going to think that he should win the Heisman Trophy, regardless of what anybody else is doing that might have better statistics because you didn't see it and you didn't feel it. That's what we do here on the number one college football show. We feel this sport. I love this. I love this stuff. I really do. All right. That is is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. We will be back next week and we're going to have our first live show on September 2nd right here, same place about 10, 30, 11 o'clock going to get into the nitty gritty week one college football. Talk a little bit about week zero. What happens? We're going to make some predictions. We're going to get way out in front of our skis. We're going to have a damn good time. All right. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. Our lead screening are Jack Coakley and Torin Westfall. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all next time. Deuces.